All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined tonight by the lovely Patrick Storm. I totally forgot that John was going to be at Disneyland the entire week, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think about it until today. Jair. Hey, how's it going, man? What up? How are you, brother? Good, man. Feels yeah. weird doing feels weird doing on Tuesday, but happy to be here, man. Yeah, absolutely. So Jair joined us right in the middle of me introducing Patrick Storm. So <laughs> Patrick Storm, what up? Nothing, man. Just ready for Thursday. Let's see how things are all and uh, you know, preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. I think that's all we can do, really. That's all we can yep. do. Um, so Johnson Disney, um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at young Ari underscore gold. You can follow Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm to you. And you can follow Jair at JRL to you. So, uh, all right, recap of the Browns mm. game. Um, you know, I think the highs of the highs for the season, at least, right? The, so far, that those were probably the highest highs the fan base maybe has felt since Kansas City, to be honest with you, uh, in the playoffs. It was just shocking, right? It was shocking just the way that we looked in the first half and then the Browns come back and because Tyrod Taylor is hurt and doesn't return after the second half. I mean, after the first half storm, like, dude, what were you like? Where were you at? Like, what were you like? Sucks. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, everything was going so great and then just the the injury bug just crept down that sideline and started biting everyone and um you know one after another almost started dropping and it just my mood went from yeah the Kansas City game is probably the closest thing that I could think of right like you're just yeah. I'm like all right we're in this thing we're they've got this like they're playing really good they're you know they're stopping the run they're making they're getting to Baker they're making Baker make mistakes because Baker does make mistakes um they're finding holes in their defense. Um, and then Tyrod goes down. Reed goes down. Um, Tunsil misses a few plays. Um, you know, just one after another, all these guys start falling. And it's just – you could just see the team. You know, if it's like as if you were watching that the win probability chart, right? And you could just see it just shoot straight up to the Browns like mid third quarter. And it was just, that was, that was all she wrote, man. And, uh, I mean, I get it. It's, you know, uh, I didn't have them winning that game as part of my season prediction, but, um, halfway through the second quarter, I thought they were going to prove me wrong and I was all for it. Um, it just, you know, it sucks. It's just one of those things that's, but that's football, man. It is what it is. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think Tyra going down for the season, I think if you asked Texans fans in the offseason, probably wouldn't be such a – they probably wouldn't feel the way that they feel today. But after watching him play week one and week two, now it's mm-hmm. like it's almost the equivalent to losing Deshaun that year. Yeah, I mean, he's I – th- I don't remember who it was. It's somebody – I think it was Clint Sterner had tweeted out that he had like the highest QBR. Um, through six quarters. Or, through, you know – for the first half of the season out of all the quarterbacks in the league. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, if you had asked me during the offseason, if I thought Tyrod Taylor would be that guy, no, there's no way. Um, you know, I never expected Tyrod to be 
you know, a bottom five quarterback, but I never expected Tyrod to be, you know, a top five. Um, and so it was a pleasant surprise and it just kind of sucks. And hopefully this is a, a very short stint on the IR for him. And then he comes back and, you know, picks up right where he left off. Yeah, absolutely. Try me. What were your reactions to the game? Entering the game, I didn't feel the Texans had a really good chance against the Cleveland Browns, considering how good their defense was and just seeing how the, you know, Miles Garrett, he's he's just a, a really great defender on, on just in the league. But just seeing the way Laramie Tunsil just, you know, shut him down and just the O-line overall. I mean, they played pretty good, considering they only allowed one sack at the whole game, which Davis Mills allowed. But it was just... It was a roller coaster seeing how they played in the first half, you know, entering the second quarter, just seeing how Tyrod was playing. Like the, the the Cleveland defense couldn't stop him, and just seeing that for a moment, I I don't know, maybe at least me, I was like, man, this team might actually go two and zero. And you know, obviously, like y'all y'all alluded to, the injury started happening. Amendola went out with a, with a hamstring injury. Tyrod Taylor went out with a hamstring injury. So things just started like kind of like going off the rails heading into the second half. Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was wild. I, I think, I mean, Tyrod has looked great, but then like the game plan, the play calling, like those the way that Tim Kelly was, it, it was it was just it, it it was really awesome just to see like things were going the way they were supposed to go based on the coaching staff and what we have. I think that was like, nobody expected Tim Kelly to start getting nicknames like Tim jelly and all these other things. Like that was not a thing by anybody. Yeah. Everybody thought he was just a puppet. And now everybody's like, Oh, I'm so glad we kept Tim Kelly. It's like, where was that at? Yeah. And just looking at the stats of Tyrod Taylor, like I had, I have a stats for like the one and a half games he did play the Jaguars and the Browns. He went 31 to 44 for 416 yards, 70 and a half completion percentage, uh, three touchdowns, uh, 55 yards, and a rushing touchdown. So he had no turnovers. He was just playing lights out football, which is pretty crazy considering our our expectations heading into the season. Like, in, um, losing him is gonna be a big loss for this team. Like, not trying to like like depress the fan base, but it just sucks seeing him, you know, out for at least three to four weeks because he was just looking really comfortable with Pep Hamilton and David and David Coley and obviously Tim Kelly. He just looked really good. Yeah. What did you think of the play calling, Pat? And I loved it, man. You know, they were mixing things up. Um, and a lot of it didn't look, you know, what's, what's crazy is it's – I don't think so much of it looked completely different than what we saw last year. More so is just the execution um, was better. I, guys were executing better because they've been coached better um, in it all. You know, we just we saw Philip Lindsay on the screenplay. You know, we we never we haven't had that in forever since I think when when Hopkins had the the one a few years back where he I think we believe it was against the Cowboys where he hit you know a couple spin moves and, and stuff like that. We hadn't had a, a screenplay go for that long you know usually it's three four yards and the guy gets tackled right um you know the run blocking still needs some work but like you know the little uh 
the short pass that, that Tyrod had the other night um, for the touchdown and, you know, stuff like that. Like they've tried that before and it's just never worked. And then they never went back to it. It's like they were afraid, but you know, Tim Kelly was mixing things up so much and I can't say for certain that it's all him, right? Pep could be there. Um, is probably heavily involved in the game plan. Um, David Culley being a former, uh, you know, passing game coordinator and stuff like that is, is heavily involved in all that. Um, I'm sure James Campen has some opinions on it and stuff like that. What his guys are really good. You know, they're just working as a collective unit right now. And it's, it's working really good for this team. Um, so I think the play calling itself was, you know, it's, it's been awesome, man. It's been, it's been a breath of fresh air, much like a lot of other things that have gone on, uh, so far this season. Um, looks like we lost James. He'll probably hop back in here in just a second. The, the biggest thing I'm probably not concerned about, but just a curious stat is the running game. Cause if you look at, at, at how it's been distributed, uh, it's not really close. Uh, Ingram, he leads the team with 40 rushes through through two games, and and he's 16 in the league in the league with 126 yards. So they've obviously seen him as the as the lead back in the first two games, and it's pretty crazy because he's fifth in the league um, in rushing carries. Yes which is 40 carries, which is pretty crazy considering he's already a 30-year-old back. So, yeah, it's been, know. Uh, you know, it, the they've done some things that have just been really unexpected. Um, like you said, Ingram being the, uh, the lead back, um, just everything all in all has just been really, you know, really good. Um, so we lost James. James just texted me saying he uh, – internet's cut out at his house. Um, he's trying to get it fired back up real quick. So we'll just keep rolling with what we got. Um, unfortunately, James had all the, the show notes. So we're just going to have to kind of wing it here. Okay. Um, when uh, in the, in the, in the game, the Browns game, what was the outside of Tyrod going down? What was the turning point for you? Where do you think everything just went wrong? Not to be too pessimistic, but whenever Davis Mills came in, I feel like, I mean, obviously there's a few injuries in between that kind of shifted the momentum of the game. Mm -hmm. But just when Davis Mills came in, at least the defense in the first half, man, they were playing lights out. They, uh, just Justin Reed had that interception, and he also had that forced fumble, which Christian Kirksey recovered. The defense was all over the place. They were they were making the 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 Browns uncomfortable in their own playing field. So, but in the, in the second half, you kind of saw missed tackles because uh, you saw the, the defenders, they were in the Cleveland Browns backfield and they were, they were getting to the running back. They were getting to both Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They were getting to them in the, in the line of scrimmage, but they just couldn't uh, finish through, make the contact. And they were just, um, you know, they're—I mean—they're two of the best running backs in the league for a reason, and they were just—they were just, you know, turning the tough yards that they needed to just uh, slow down the defense, and that pretty much was the death—the the, the last nail in the coffin for the Texans. So, <clears throat> I'm gonna uh, mine. And this might shock a few people. Um, 
Mine was when Zach Cunningham came back into the game. So Zach doesn't play the entire first quarter. Uh, we heard it was for uh, disciplinary reasons, right? And they yeah. they say they're gonna the reasons all that stuff's gonna be kept in in house. Um, that entire first quarter, those running backs weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, obviously, they're they're gonna make it. You know, Stefanski and his crew are gonna make some uh, some adjustments to the the run game because you know, like you said, that's two of the best running backs in the league, right? Those guys are just. They're good. They're really good, and they're it's it's a deadly duo. Um, if you get those two going, it's very hard to stop them. Um, that offensive line in Cleveland is really good, um, and that takes a lot of pressure off of Baker. But when Zach came in, something changed, um, and it just they started teeing off, uh, and it got worse in the third quarter, and then worse in the fourth quarter. Um, I haven't looked at the box score um, to see like yards per quarter. On what it was, but I know in the second half um, they had way more yards rushing than they did in the in the first half. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I know Zach. You know, I know we all like Zach and, and everything that he's done so far with his team. But um, something happened in that game that made him made them key on him, and they were just able to, <clears throat> you know, they were able to just get get it going. Um, and I feel a big part. Uh, in that game was they were they were trying to get the passing game going but whenever uh, Baker had that that shoulder injury Mm -hmm. they pretty much uh doubled down the running game which was kind of bad for us because you know once they commit to the running game it's hard to stop especially you know considering how talented how talented they really are so Mm -hmm. it was just a uh you know it was unfortunate yeah, and they wore down that the the front seven for the Texans. I mean, um, you know, we've seen that front seven so far do a really decent job of uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, um, getting into the backfield, some tackles for losses. Um, Gruger Hill was all over the freaking place in that game. Um, he's been kind of one of the the really big shining spots for me on that out of that group. Um, and so, yeah, I, like. And I'm not gonna. I can't blame it all on Zach because I, don't, I just maybe it's a coincidence that that's when everything started happening. And that's maybe that's when they made an adjustment. Um, but it just felt like that just that just really stuck out to me. Um, <clears throat> and to me, that was that was the turning point. That's where I kind of just feel things went went south. So, um, and the crazy part about that, real quick, is that he's the leading tackler in the in the for the Texans right now. He has 13 tackles for throughout two games. So he's still. He's still reproductive on the box score, but just the momentum of the, of the game, it wasn't the same. Yeah. I mean, if we could get NFL game pass to, or league pass, whatever it is, to put up the all 22, maybe we can go in and see what's going on. And, but, you know, they're, they're dragging their feet, and we haven't had game for so far for two weeks. We didn't have it in the preseason. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we'll just have to stick with the broadcast. Um, one other thing I want to talk about. So the this uh, dynamic duo that Cleveland has of Janavian Clowney and Miles Garrett was supposed to scare offensive coordinators, right, coming into the season. Miles um, Garrett is a, easily a top three pass rusher in this in this league, right? Like that guy just gets after quarterbacks. He gets in the backfield. He wrecks hell on offensive lines. Okay, Janavian Clowney, we know what he is, um, and we know what he's capable of. Um, we've seen it and it's always come in flashes. It's always coming, you know, he's got a, his career is full of peaks and valleys. Um, 
I, that was that was my biggest worry was them going up against this offensive line. Um, I know we saw in the first first game of the season the offensive line held up really well. Um, they kept Tyrod clean, uh, and you know all that stuff carried over to this week, and that was amazing to me. Um, they didn't get a hand on the quarterback until Delpit came around the edge, um, and and just laid Mills out. Um, and I can't remember who the running back was in that play. I want to say it was David Johnson. Um, I have to go back and watch it again. But I want to say that it, I'm not going to put that on Cannon because Cannon had somebody over him. Yeah. I think the running back missed his, missed the block. I don't think he picked it up either, just like Mills didn't pick it up. Um, so it was just like a collective failure. It was a really well-drawn-up play by the Browns mm-hmm. to get to him. Um, but for the fact of Marcus Cannon – Max Sharping, Justin Britt, Titus Howard, and Laramie Tunsil holding them to a total of one solo tackle, one tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits and zero sacks is pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah. I, I think mean, it's uh, it was really a state. It was a defensive back blitz that really got the sack for the for the, for the Browns. So that shows you how good they were at controlling the front seven. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan got it right. It was Rex Burkhead. That's right. Um, that Rex could have, I mean, not so much just straight up blocked him, but at least chip him. Um, Delpit just came in untouched. Uh, so, but I mean, all in all, the offensive line has been playing really well, especially in the passing game. Like I said earlier, the run game could definitely use some uh, improvement. Um, I don't like to get into pro football focus grades because I think it's, uh, a very, very bad way to measure uh, talent and and talk about a player's ability. But, um, you know, Marcus Cannon has played really, really well at the right tackle position and so far has graded out this season better than Titus ever did um, in his first two years. So <clears throat> I think that, that this group, is this is how it's going to work. This is what we're going to see for the year. Um Hi, kids. Hey. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, I think it's pretty impressive because this is a pretty brand new offensive line group. They have they really haven't had a lot of time to gel because if you consider Larry Tunsil, he he was coming back from COVID, mm-hmm. uh, and then and also in the preseason, I believe it was Titus Howard and Rod Johnson. They were both uh sideline because of close contact. So throughout the whole offseason. Uh, the O-line itself hasn't really had a lot of time to really get together and, you know, be a co- cohesive unit. And even in the first year, there's going to be a lot of miscommunication. So considering all of that and seeing they've only allowed two sacks and obviously the Davis Mills one, he could have done a better job delegating or speaking to the to the O-line or r- running back. Because I, I put that mostly on Davis Mills than the O-line. So they've done their part and really keeping the quarterback clean. And it's really up to Davis Mills and probably Tim Kelly to help out and make sure that he stays he stays clean in the pocket and heading into the next weeks. And it's going to be a tall task against Carolina, obviously. I Yeah, I think they're, they're going to have to roll into a Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan-style offense here um, where when they do move him out of the side of the pocket, it's going to have to be bootlegs. Um, and some play action stuff to where the defense has to respect the run game um, and that they're going to key on some other things. And, man, that's one thing. 
Oh my goodness. And I mentioned this on Twitter during the game. Baker Mayfield can sell a play action fake so well. Like when he goes to fake, like he's handing off the ball, he tucks that thing so well and it fools me and it fooled our defense so many times. And he, that's one thing that I, he does really well. I just had to bring that back up again. But yeah, so with Davis Mills, they got to, you know, they're going to have, that's the type of stuff they're going to have to do. They got to get him on some bootlegs. Um, you know, stuff where the defense has got to respect the run game um, and get our tight ends involved a little bit more. We saw what Farrell Brown was capable of in week one. That's the reason why he was a starting tight end week one. Um, Jordan Akins has got the ability. Hopefully we can see Brevin this week. Um, but I know they did. So that was one move they made today was getting Anthony Auclair signed off the practice squad to the, uh, the 53 man roster um, with putting with putting Tyrod and Nico on the uh, injured reserve. So, um, and they also have, and they also have Amendola out this, this week with the, with the hamstring injury. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a a bunch of new guys heading into the next coming, the next couple of weeks. And I was just going to point out real quick, it's pretty crazy, but looking at the receiving yard stats throughout the first few games, obviously it's going to be different going from Tyrod to, to Davis Mills, two different quarterbacks, uh, two different style of plays. But the only player with uh, triple-digit numbers in the receiving category is Brandon Cooks with 210 yards, which is fifth in the league. And then all the way down, uh, the next uh, receiver with the most yards is obviously Farrell Brown, who has, who has, I believe, 67 yards. So... From here on out, we're going to have to do a better job. Uh, the margin of for error for mistakes is, it goes, I mean, it's very small. From from here on out, we're going to have to really get other people involved besides Brandon Cooks. Because if they if they take out, if, if a good defense like Carolina takes out Brandon Cooks, we're going to need some someone else to, you know, pass the ball to, which is maybe Chris Connolly, uh, as you said, Farrell Brown. You know, include the running backs in the passing game like David Johnson, some short screens like Philip Lindsay. Just get creative and and make easy reads, easy throws for Davis Mills to get completions and easy yardage. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And it's just they're going to have to simplify the offense. Um, you know, Davis said that when he came in that the game plan never really changed against the Browns. Um I don't buy it because the first couple series they they didn't have you know he wasn't they weren't throwing the ball as much. Um I think they were trying to definitely get the run game going. But uh yeah, it was just one of those things where they just it looked like the game plan changed dramatically. Um and so hopefully this week with some with some and unfortunately it's a short week, so he's not getting real reps with the uh with the ones. They're just doing walkthroughs. So I think that hopefully just some time and talking with these guys, maybe they're doing some side work with some light route running and stuff like that, where you can kind of develop some, some timing with them. Um, it'll come with time, right? Like he's a rookie quarterback. Uh, he was drafted in the third round for a reason. Um, he only played like what, 12 games in college or something like that. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> it's going to take time. He's a, he's a project. Um, unfortunately, for the Texans, the, the project had to start uh, middle of week two because of an injury. And so hopefully he can keep it together and, and keep the ship steady until Tyrod can come back. Um, 
by all means, if he goes in there and just blows us away, um, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, I'd be really happy to see, and I'm excited to see what, uh, what Pep Hamilton can do with him. Um, we've seen what Pep Hamilton has done with rookie quarterbacks in the past, um, or just any quarterback in general. I mean, he's one of the most respected quarterback coaches in the league for a reason. Um, you know, he took Justin Ebert last year when Ty- coincidentally Tyrod got hurt um, and turned him into, you know, a really, really good quarterback. So, um, and I think you made the point where he's coached Andrew Luck. He's coached uh, Chris Hogan. Um, you know, he, he's coached some guys in the years. And he, so the, he knows what he's talking about. And uh, let's just see if that can carry over to Davis Mills. So. And for me, the biggest thing is – I'm all behind the reason why they drafted a quarterback in this draft. Because I've seen throughout Twitter and just the radio, people are upset that we drafted a quarterback in the third round. But, I mean, it's not like we just drafted one player in the third round. We still got Nico Collins. So it's not like we just wasted a, a third-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, it pays off now that we drafted a quarterback because in, in, in this type of situation, he's going to have – Plenty of plenty of um, time, reps, snaps to to see what he has to offer. Because to be honest, as as much as Tyrod Taylor has impressed me, and how much he's he's overachieved to a certain point, like no no disrespect to, to him, we knew he wasn't going to play all sixteen games. Uh, I, I think sooner or later we, we knew uh, Davis Mills was going to get on the on the field, and obviously it's not been official that it was so early on, but. It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, it, it gets it gives us a chance to see what he really can, what he can really do. Because I used to be of the I used to be an old old fashioned type of person and think that a quarterback would be best to just you know sit out and learn. But a, a quarterback like him, he's he's had enough learning you know off the field. Like he's a pretty smart person overall. Uh, he needs he needs game time, and obviously. It wouldn't have mattered next year if there was a franchise quarterback prospect and the Texans had the had the ability to draft one. Uh, having Davis Mills wouldn't have mattered. We would have still it would have, it would have been common sense to draft that franchise quarterback prospect. Mm-hmm. But it, it's good to see him play early on and and see what he has. Uh, and the, and obviously it's it's not all you know rainbows and stuff like that. You know we're, there's going to be growing pains watching Davis Mills play. I mean we saw in the preseason. He he finished the preseason with thirty-one of sixty-five completions, uh, forty, which was forty-seven point seven percent completion rate, and two touchdowns and four interceptions. So there's gonna be a lot of times you know want to pull your hair out seeing a, a young quarterback. It's part of the process. Uh, even Deshaun in, in his first um in his first game in Thursday night football against the Bengals, he didn't look amazing. Uh, besides that one play that he had, you know, that 50-yard uh, touchdown run, mm-hmm. uh, he, looked, he looked pretty average as a passer. So it's, it's pretty much the same thing with Davis Mills for, for his for upcoming game against against Carolina, a really good defense. There's going to be moments that, you know, we're, we're going to be really mad of seeing him play, but it's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's be real. This team um, – while we had hoped after week one and what we started to see through the first two quarters of week two, um, you know, really surprised a lot of people. And so if, 
maybe Davis Mills is another one of those surprises where, um, you know, they can, he could put some stuff together and do what we would hope Tyrod would do and just manage the game, right? Not turn the ball over, um, spread the ball around to multiple receivers, you know, several handoffs, um, get different guys involved, uh, and just, and just manage the game, right? Don't let, don't beat yourself, right? That's one thing that this team has been doing a very good job of is not beating themselves. The week one, we saw, you know, almost no penalties. Sunday, we saw quite a few more. Um, we saw some offsides. We saw some uh, or some false starts. We saw some uh, holdings, stuff like that that we didn't see in week one. Um, now, granted, you're playing a little bit better caliber football team in the Browns than you are the Jaguars. So things are going to be a little bit different and guys are going to be trying a lot harder to, you know, protect the quarterback or, you know, to make sure that a play happens type of this stuff. And so you're going to have those mistakes and, and every team has them. Let's be real. Every team has penalties. Um, but all in all, they were still, they were still executing well and they were doing things the right way. Um, and I think that's one of the things that this, that can help this team, be a respectable team throughout the year. And I'm not saying playoffs or anything like that, but I'm saying maybe a just over 500 team um, is just executing well. Um, just like we saw on the, the screen pass to, to Lindsay, Max Sharping released outside. Um, and I want to say, I can't remember who the other was that Auclair was with them down the sideline. Um, but Max played that so well. He stood at the line he waited for, you know, he stuttered, 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 released outside, waited for Lindsay. He didn't, if you go back and you watch the play, he didn't just take off down the field, right? He waited for Lindsay to make sure Lindsay could get behind him and nobody would sneak up behind them and take Lindsay out. And so that way he was that wall going down the field. That was great execution. Um, the defense, they have been tackling better. They had some spurts in the Browns game where they were tackling like the, the Texans of last year where it was just a bunch of arm tackling and stuff like that. Um, so just playing sound fundamental football can help this team a lot. And if Davis Mills can do that, if Davis Mills can play sound fundamental football, he can help this team, you know, be competitive. I think I really do. Yeah. And to add to that real quick, a big reason why there's little to no penalties in the first game was that we were playing at home. And then obviously, uh, Traveling to Cleveland, it's a hostile environment. Very. It's it's hard to make the the right cause. The, the fans are very rowdy, so it's it's natural for a, a a brand new team with so many new players to have these uh, these type of miscommunications or probably uh, mental mistakes. You know, we obviously don't want them, but it's part of the process. And I'm not gonna make this to, like I'm not gonna praise. I don't want it to, I don't want it to sound like a compliment, but Davis Mills didn't completely craft the bed against the Browns. Like, yes, he made mistakes. Yes, he got lit up with the Del Pit blitz. But he finished with a touchdown and one interception in, in one half, you know, against a really good defense. So I I, I would take that considering he was playing for his, his debut on the road and considering how much he struggled in the preseason. Things could have been a lot worse. So... I'm not trying to be optimistic and sell the, the fans that uh, this upcoming game, there's going to be a, a win because, you know, it's, it's a rookie quarterback against a very good defense. But 
you're having Davis Mills and, and the whole team play at home in a safe environment. You know, the def- I mean, the fans, for the most part, they're going to be on your side. They're not going to be, uh, you know, making all the havoc that they were making, like in Cleveland. So there's certain, there's certain uh, components that make it possible for them to play sound fundamental football, considering they're playing at home. They, they know the environment and, you know, it might help. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's that's one of the things that, and he wasn't, he wasn't that bad, right? You know, I I had said some, I said some things during the game. You know, uh, they have no confidence in him to pass the ball, stuff like that. Um, and it was just, you know, on the spot judgment calls of what what I'm seeing, the play calls and stuff like that. Um, they may have just been trying a few things out. Um, so it it'll just it'll depend. Um, I hopefully they can. Uh, put some a package together for him that allows him to go out there and, you know, go up. Let's be real. This Panthers defense is a, a really good defense also. Um, so he's going to have to be on his, he's going to be on his a game, um, not make mistakes um, and just, and do what he's go out there and do what's asked of him. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to sending cooks down on a, a seam route or something like that. Uh, Pharaoh on a seam route, something like that. Cause we know he's got the arm. Um, and just and let him sling it a few times and, and see what he's got. Um, the the cohesion and the the timing with his wide receivers and uh, the backs and stuff like that is all going to come with uh is going to come with time. Um, and like you said, he didn't go out there and crap the bed, right? Like he didn't go out there and just do absolutely awful. Um, he didn't go out there and throw was it four interceptions that Zach Wilson threw against the Patriots, yeah. Yeah. right? Like. I was hoping and praying that somehow we could have moved up in the draft to draft that kid. And God, hmm. um, man, he's just, he has not lived up to the hype. And uh, Trevor hasn't lived up to the hype. I think, honestly, it's crazy because Mac Jones has been the one that I was like, uh, you know, really on the fence about not trusting, wanting to trust an Alabama quarterback. But Mac Jones has played the best out of all these kids getting that were drafted in the, you know, the first round and the second round and stuff like that. So, um, and then, then there's Davis Mills. So we'll see. Um, we probably won't see Kellen Mond. So that's not really fair to say that he hasn't lived up to anything because we haven't seen him. So, but anyway, um, all right. So we put, put the Browns in the rearview mirror and we're moving on. We got Carolina Thursday night, um, prime time. Davis Mills getting his first career start. What's, uh, one key thing outside of protecting the ball is it that uh that this team has to do to be able to win this game? For me, it's probably the defense. If they can replicate what they showed in the, the first game against Jacksonville in the in the first half against Cleveland, mm-hmm. they have a really good shot of at least keeping this a, a low score game, which is the best you can ask for if you want to win the game, which is pretty it's not the most attainable thing, but if we're speaking in hypotheticals, if as long as this is a low-score game, we're gonna be in it. Especially, they're playing. They're playing. We're playing at home. I, I I go back to that. And for me, that was a big reason why I had this as, as a win before the season started. Uh, I feel like home home field does play a factor. And I and even though, you know, losing Tyrod hurts a lot 
they still have some pieces. And, and I feel pretty confident because for most of these games this season, uh, from a talent from a talent perspective, we're going to be overmatched. So it's going to come down to coaching and, like, who can be the better coach. And, and in this game, I mean, last game, Kevin Stefanski, he was a, he was a second second year head coach against mm-hmm. the Jaguars. He was a rookie head coach, and against the Panthers, he's a second year head coach. So these head coaches, they're not completely seasoned. Obviously, Matt Rule did a really good job in Temple of creating a, a good culture, good good environment for the players, and he's doing a pretty good job here. But it's still a relatively young head coach on both sides of the football. So whoever wins the coaching battle. Whoever makes the less mistakes, you know, it kind of sounds like Captain Obvious, but that's but, typically the team that wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, I saw it in there a few times. It's containing Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think if they can contain Christian McCaffrey, then that's going to make everybody's day a lot easier on the defense. Um, but it, that comes with that's it's kind of a double edged sword. Um, because if you contain him, you still got to worry about the receivers and the receivers are really good at getting, you know, getting deep, um, and getting past the secondary. Um, and so I feel like you got to kind of pick your poison with them and like, where do you want them to beat you at? Right. Um, and I still have very big concerns about the secondary, um, especially with Justin Reed being banged up. All signs are pointing to him playing apparently. Uh, so we'll see if if he can't go, then we're going to deal with Lonnie and Eric Murray on the back end. Um, Vernon on the outside for whatever reason, he's still playing on the outside. I don't get it. Um, Desmond King, um, Terrence Mitchell is dealing with a concussion, I believe, right? He's in concussion protocol. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty banged up. We may see uh, Jimmy Moreland this week. I don't know. Uh, it's the secondary is what scares me this week. Um Robbie Anderson, we know, is still really good. Moore is still really good, um, or is really good. And we, we've we seen what Sam can do. Sam Darnold can can sling the ball. Uh, and with, with Joe Brady and Matt Rule at the helm over there, I feel like they, that was that's one person I've been really excited to watch this season, just to kind of see how he's going to adjust with, the, with that type of coaching over there, getting out from Adam Gase and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we get to see it firsthand Thursday night um, at NRG, and it'll be it'll be kind of cool to see. Um, to add to that, real quick, I, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm not really confident about our our secondary either. You know, because pretty much it's going to be Tremont Smith, Vernon Hargraves, uh, Desmond King, Moreland. Perhaps we we bring up the the cornerback that we got from the Eagles. Uh, a while back in the practice squad, like it's gonna be a really worrisome group overall. But I feel the front seven, besides uh, the second half that they just, uh, they just lost contained. They just uh, could have been injuries, uh, could have been anything that they just, uh, uh, they just, you know, they just didn't, they just weren't the same from the first, from the first half. But. Overall, they've done a good job. The front seven has uh, Christian Kirksey. I mean, in the first game, he had he had a he had an interception. This this second game, he had a a fumble recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're making plays. They're 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 being around the ball. Obviously, 
who knows how sustainable it's going to be in uh, in this upcoming game. But I've seen enough encouraging signs from the from the deep, at least from the front seven, that it it at least is some optimism. Obviously, not I'm not expecting a top ten defense, but if they make a few turnovers, if if the front seven can get to Sam Darnold a little a little bit, maybe we have some a decent game, an in, 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 in enjoyable game at least. Yeah, and that's that's all we can hope for, man. Is going into these these games, especially against a team like this, um, is just hoping that it's close and it's competitive and it's it's fun to watch and you could take uh, some the good with the bad um, and build on it and move on to the next the next week. Um, you know, it's going to suck not having Amendola. It's not. It's going to suck not having Nico. Um, it's certainly going to suck not having Tyrod. Um, and hopefully, guys like Justin Reed and uh, uh, Laramie are a hundred percent and can go um, and not have any uh, setbacks. Um, and you know, just go out there and play a good football game. Uh, that's that's all I care about, honestly. At this point, is just watching a good football team or guys go out there and just put on, you know, a, a good product, put a good product on the field, uh, do what's asked of them. And, you know, we've seen through two weeks now that the coaching staff has these guys, right? I mean, let's be real. This, I know it's very premature. Um, and it, it's kind of hard to say this because of some of the guys that have left Houston and gone on to do what they've done. Obviously Kubiak left um, with, and uh, Wade Phillips, and they won the Super Bowl in Denver. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has gone on to do some really good things out in San Francisco. Um, you know, Dom Capers left, and he's been up in, in Green Bay, and they've been doing their thing up there for years. Um, I feel like this may be collectively some of the – probably the best coaching staff this team has ever fielded. Um and I think that's going to go a long way this season. Um, I think people put a lot of weight on the the head coach position and more than is necessary. <clears throat> um, I think David Culley is obviously, you know, he's the man in charge. He's the guy running things. Um, but we've heard nothing but praise about this guy from the players and, uh, and things like that about how the environment is. Um, how he's coaching them, how he's concerned about them as people, as individuals, as players. Um, and then in the middle of the game, uh, who was it that was down? Somebody was down, and he went out there to check on them and happens to be standing right next to Justin Britt and just lays into him in the middle of the field on national television. And it's just like we never had that before, right? Like he held him accountable right then and there on something that they, they potentially screwed up on. Um, and I think that's that's just huge, man. Like, we haven't had that ever. And I think if that can continue, this team can uh, – they can build some some decent things and, and do some decent things against teams like Carolina, um, against teams like the Jets, against teams like uh, the Patriots and, and the Chiefs and the Colts and the Titans. Um, by the way, the Titans are trash. That was a fluke win the other night. I was so mad. That was such a fluke win. And um, that's the crazy part, man. Uh, every, I mean, every team lost besides the Tennessee Titans, but you, we're still pretty much in first place. I mean, they they are the the Texans are technically in first place right now yeah. because their win was an in division win, 
and the Titans won against an out-of-division opponent. So Texans are in first place. You know, who thought their week two would be saying the Texans are in first place? They're one game out of the first seed and a bye week in the playoffs. So we're going to roll with it. It's it's facts. Like, nobody can tell me otherwise right now. <laughs> um, all right, so... Do you want to talk about the do you want to talk about the colleague uh brain fart? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's talk about it because he admitted he screwed up, right? And in the game um so we're at it was third and third It was like 3rd and 10, yeah, 3rd and 12 around there. 3rd and 12. Um and it was a whatever, it was a 10-yard penalty, so it would have moved us up to 4th and 2 or decline it and stay at 3rd and third and 12, right? And then you run another play um, and try to see where you're at or you accept the penalty and you go for it on fourth down, right? Yeah. Um, he screwed up and everybody knew it immediately. Even Kevin Stefanski, if you go back and watch the broadcast, Kevin Stefanski's like, it's not like a real obvious showing, but he's just like, like what the? What, yeah, it was what? pretty funny. Like, what? Um, like, okay. Um and who was it? It was someone he had another coach with him right there next to him. And I can't remember. It wasn't it, it was wasn't a special Pep. teams coach. It was Frank Ross. Okay, so Frank Ross was right there with yeah. him. Um, and that may have led to it. Frank may have been talking about something completely different. Um, he may have been talking like, hey, let's go for it on fourth down. Um, he's got the ref barking at him, he's got you know his own thought process going on, he's got somebody in his ear probably talking to him. Um, you know, it's it is what it is, right? Like like I said at the beginning of the show, it is what it is. At the end of the day, um, he screwed up and it did not help the uh it did not help the cause um at the end of the game. They would have been in a much better position, I feel like going for it on fourth and two. I think they could have gotten the first down. I think they would do it they were doing a really good job of of getting the backs to get, you know, two, three yards on on every play. Mm-hmm. Um or even just a short little dump pass to Cooks or one of the tight ends or something. Um, and then, then in the press conference, the, you know, the next week he, uh, he owns it. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, that's not something we've ever seen before. It's something we've always, they've always kind of danced around it. And, uh, they give you some bullcrap answer of, oh, well, in the situation, we felt that that was what was better for the team. Coley said point blank, like he screwed up, like he should, you know, he would have t- gone back and accepted the penalty. Um, you know, it just – it sucks, man. It, it, but first-year head coach, um, there's a lot going on. His explanation, I feel like, was a little bit too – too many words, right? Like, he he got flustered in trying to explaining it to everybody, right? Um, I get the premise behind what he was trying to say. But, uh, you know, he admitted that he screwed up. That's great. I love it. They're going to move on from it. It'll be a learning experience from him, for him to move forward. He maybe has is Pep, Pep's up in the box, right? Pep's not on the sideline, or um, I think Kelly, Nick is there. Tim, I think because he's 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 in the sidelines. sidelines. Yeah, and Lovey's on the sideline. Yeah. I thought they were saying that they were going to have so that somebody was going to be up in the box. It was Nick Casario who was supposed to be in the in the press box, but in his past yep. inter in the past interview he had with the Texans, he was saying mm-hmm. that he's not going to make every trip like every trip with the Texans. So, I think for for, for sure this upcoming game he's going to be in the press box. Okay, so but just going back to the, uh, go ahead. Maybe 
maybe he keeps Tim a little bit closer to him, or maybe he keeps a guy like Pep a little bit closer to him. And for situations like that, to where he can, you know, they can, they could talk about it real quick. Like, Hey, what do you think we should do? Um, like the collective effort and stuff like that. And, and that way, next time, if this situation arises, they, uh, you know, they don't have another blunder like this. Right. So it's yeah. just, it's and a like learning experience, most, man. And it's it's going to happen. The most, exactly. The most optimistic thing I can say about the, the whole thing, the whole out, outcome, was that in the, in the next play, Justin Reed got the interception. And yeah. then we, we went on to score. So, in a way, we still scored. Obviously, he should have done the right, the right choice from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, Justin Reed saved him and so did the offense. But hopefully, like you said, it's a learning experience, and not every single time the defense is going to be able to bail him out if he makes these mistakes. So hopefully, he learns from this. But I do like the transparency that he has. You know, it's a it's it's a it's a, a breath of fresh air compared to Bill O'Brien and his answers. Yeah. So I do like that about Cooley overall. Yeah, I'm 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 this close. I'm this close to being 100 percent sold on him. I I just it's still a little early for me. Um, but I think that he, you know he's definitely doing he's doing everything right. He's doing everything right right now, um, and it's just hard not to like the guy. Be, his press conferences are so nice, and he's always in a good mood. He doesn't always he doesn't ever seem like he's he's pissed off or he's got a grudge or anything like that. Um, the way he talks to the the media and stuff like that, he does a really good job. The players speak very highly of him, both on camera and off camera. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice, man. I'm really close. I think, uh, we'll see how things go this week. Um, but we're heading, we're, uh, we're heading in the right direction. I think we're going to, I think we're going to get there too, you know? Um, but, and he's assembled a hell of a staff, man. You got Pep Hamilton, Lovey Smith, Tim Kelly was retained. Um, Frank Ross, like all the, you know, just all these guys, James Campen, Robert Prince, James Campen. Um, right. This is a really good staff. Uh, and so I think that's making a big difference. I don't think we expected it to work out this well. So I'm, uh, I'm excited, man. I really am. I, I don't, I wasn't this excited going into the season. I may not look like it right now, but I'm still not, uh, all here, but, um, we're I'm excited, man. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun season for sure. And we get prime time week three. That's crazy. It's pretty cool. Especially coming off yeah. of a four-win season, right? And you could kind of tell, like, I mean, I feel like uh, no one really believed in the Texans. Even I guess us to a certain extent, like we believed, we understood the process, and it it made sense to, to a certain extent. But mm-hmm. even like the co- the commentators, uh, Gumble and the and the other guy from CBS. Uh, of quite a few times in the Cleveland game, they were saying, "Oh, this is a really good game." Like they were kind of like you could, you could kind of tell from the from their demeanor, the way they were speaking, they were pretty surprised. So uh, this whole season, you know, it was awesome that we were winning games or that we we looked we look as good as we do. But to be honest, not I mean, obviously, winning is always a priority for the players, and they they all believe that. But just the way we've been moving, or at least Nick Casario, the way he's been moving, this was never a playoff team or per se. Uh, 
you know, they've been coached well enough in the first two games that they look competitive and they're mm-hmm. giving us the, the illusion that we're a playoff team. But obviously, a few injuries or anything, and we were going to be back to what we really were. Uh, I, In a certain way, I feel right now we're overperforming. And, you know, heading up to this game, hopefully the coaching, the coaching and everything can make us still a competitive team, uh, uh, you know, enjoy the game. But I feel like week three, we're really going to see – Kind of what we what we what we kind of feared in a way that this team was going to be if injuries happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it's still a, it's still a learning experience for some of the young players. You know, Davis Mills, he's a young player. He's going to be able to play. You know, obviously, I would, I would wish Scotty Phillips or other young players were on the, on the field, but that's not the case. Uh, Casario, he's kind of gone, you know, in depth and and how he sees the practice squad and the active roster. And he pretty much just kept Scotty Phillips on the active roster because he was too good to put on the practice squad. He was gonna yep. be, he was gonna get poached. Uh, but who knows? Maybe a trade or an injury, and he and he's he's in the game. Maybe not this week, but maybe in the future weeks. And at least, uh, I guess the, the the silver lining is that we have Anthony Miller, who's gonna finally see some playing time. And he he kind of tweeted before the the Cleveland game that he was he was already ready to play mm-hmm. so that's a reassuring sign just seeing players and young players and you know potential players that we can retain beyond this year and see how they look yeah for sure and one player that i do not want them to retain after this year i don't even want him on the team right now is andre roberts i just think the guy is worthless honestly like <sighs> i i had like immediate ptsd flashbacks to Keyshawn Martin trying to return the ball. Um, Trendon Holiday. Um, oh my God. Who else back Tyler, there? Uh, Tyler, Tyler Irvin. Irvin. Yeah, the coach's <laughs> kid. The coach's kid, Tyler Irvin. Like, man, you know, just like not so much the oh, Jacoby Jones. Like uh, the muff punt return. Like, I get it. Like, <clears throat> but then. It's just like the guy has no vision, man. Like he's just running into people. He's running into the pile. He's running into his blockers. Um, maybe uh, maybe Ross has got to do a better job of coaching these guys up on getting lanes open for him or something like that. But holy, like he's a waste of a roster spot. It's just return, crazy. Return specialist should never be a thing on an NFL team. You're not Devin Hester. You're not Baltimore Ravens, Jacoby Jones, because God, this, this still pisses me off. But like just I'm not trying him. to justify I'm not trying to justify him. <laughs> but you he's know, like thirty six, right? He's thirty six. How old is he? He's he's like thirty three, thirty four. Last I mean last year, to his credit, he was a second team on pro receive uh returner. But he was already kind of on, on his last legs when it comes to that age, kind of. And obviously, when you're a, a return specialist and you don't really play receiver, it's kind of frustrating. You, you have to be that much better as a returner to like really justify that that spot. And and I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to like be patient because I'm a very patient person. I, I try to be very understanding, at least to the point that uh, he was coming from that knee surgery. He. Uh, during the preseason like he had no playing time like and obviously he's a veteran so that's not really an excuse 
and it was just frustrating because I feel like he was trying to overcompensate after the fumble. Like he was just trying to make a big play on special teams, and he just made it worse. Yeah. So ho- hopefully he looks better this upcoming week. But real quick, and Corey, it's not because of just the one mistake, man. It's because I feel like there's such, especially now when you got Nico Collins and Amendola both out with an injury, and you've got a guy that is a self-proclaimed return specialist, and not he's a self-proclaimed not a wide receiver that like right now this team needs wide receivers. And I feel like he should be the one that, that gets the ax to make room for another wide receiver, whether it be Jordan VC, whether it be John Brown, they sign a free agent, um, John Brown or any of those other guys that are out there. Um, that's just, that's my thing. Like, I just feel like that that's what needs to happen. That is the guy that needs to go. I just don't think he brings, he doesn't bring enough to the table for me to warrant being on this roster. Much like Rex Burkhead, I I don't think they should have Rex Burkhead. Um, there's a couple guys that I could go down the list and say that I, I just don't think that they need to be on this team because they just they serve no purpose. Like there's no like big benefit to them being on this team. So that that's my gripe with them, Corey. Not just because of the muff point, not at all. But and I do feel to a certain extent those are the first players that might go whenever all these players from the IR come back. You know, yeah. we got Kaimi Fairbairn. He's coming back next week, potentially. Uh, AJ Moore, he might come back next week at, at at the earliest. I have the list right here, but we have a lot of players on the IR that, that are going to be coming back in the next couple of weeks. So this roster is going to be completely different than what it is right now. Like, we got so many players coming up and down. We got Jordan VC and Chris Moore. Uh, they're getting potentially elevated to this game. So those are two receivers that don't really count towards their active roster, but they'll be elevated this game and potentially the next game. So we we do have options on the roster, on the, at receiver at least. They've been throughout this preseason. So I do understand that they might be patient with Roberts right now, but if he doesn't look any any better than what he's he, looked, he's, he has looked early on, then you might really consider, you know, moving on because – like I said earlier, if you're a specialist, you have to be that much better. Yeah. Or else, what are you doing on the roster? And I feel this ro- this coaching staff is smart enough to not just keep a player just because, oh, we have money tied into him. Uh, like Shaq Lawson. Or, or like, money's not going to be an issue this year. If, you, if you're not good, uh, they're going to they're gonna kick you out. Like, it doesn't – money's not, not a factor this year. It's about who's actually performing. Or at least that's what – the impression is early on. For sure. Let's talk about Shaq Lawson real quick. Shaq Lawson leaves Houston, goes to New York, and says, I can finally be who I'm supposed to be up here or whatever it is, right? So he has seven combined tackles, zero sacks on the season. That's I mean, it. even even Merciless has, has a sack, so that kind of shows you how. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you then? Who are you, Shaq Lawson? Because you haven't, I don't know. You just, Shaq Lawson. And they were trying to point that, like, oh, Easter being, uh, uh, no, you know. Like, I just, feel, I just feel like I'm not even trying to, like, speak bad about a player who's not even here anymore. Like, But I, feel, I just feel he was bitter that he just oh, wasn't. Yeah. You know, I hate it when they leave and they get on social media and they start crying. Like, hey, bro, yeah. 
you didn't do a good enough job, like, or you're just not in the, the plans of this team, or, or you screwed up, or whatever. At the end of the day, you're still rich. Like, yeah. you're you're getting paid a lot of money to go play football. Because um, Casero even did he did quiet. him a favor, but by restructuring his contract because he had no yeah. guaranteed money, so he got yeah. seven mil just being here. So like, why to why would he complain? To exactly. do nothing. Yeah. The, the Texans did him a favor, and then you see how Randall Cobb and Bradley Broby they leave the Texans, mm-hmm. and they don't speak bad about the Texans. They're like. They understood in what spot Texas are really are in right now, and you know they know that Texas are rebuilding. They understood and they, in a way, appreciated the fact that, you know, Casario put Randall Cobb back in Green Bay and he put Bradley Roby back in in a contender somewhat in the Saints. So it's two teams that. Can, 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 we, can we talk about Randall Cobb real quick? Sure. He has four receptions for fifty-eight yards. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers had to have this guy back, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> now nah, we appreciate it though. We got that six round pick so. for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll take the six round picks all day long for these guys that you know that are going elsewhere and doing absolutely freaking nothing. So it, it's cool at the end of the day. Like, it's just um, hopefully Roby is gonna. Did he play this week? I think he did. Did he? I didn't. I, I think I think Lattimore was out, right? Because he got that. Yeah. yeah. Good, good for, for Roby. I hope, Ro, you know, Roby's always been a really great guy. Um, talked to him a few times and hope, you know, hopefully everything works out for him, right? Like, I got no uh, hard feelings for him. He hasn't said anything about the team publicly. Um, like, did Roby, Roby got a sack? Well, look, see? But yeah. still, I think, I think that. More sacks is Jack Lawson. <laughs> Bradley, and that's see, that's why we got more. We got a better deal for him. That's why we got the third round pick because he yeah. gets more sacks than Shaq Lawson. So even though Shaq Lawson's paid to do that. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, we're right at about the hour mark. Actually, we just rolled the hour mark. Um, as you can hear, my kids are in the background going nuts. Um, but Dude, does the chat have any questions before? Like, like as yeah, always, let's, like... let's let's do some let's do some questions real quick. We got maybe about five minutes. Um, James never made it back. He's dealing with internet outages in his area um or caught or whatever i, I don't know man <laughs> um david asked patrick what do you think about andre said about nick i david i don't know i didn't see what he said um if you it can was positive uh, was it yeah he just said he liked the moves it. he was making so i think that's a okay. big difference than earlier on when he was saying about easter and all that stuff and obviously you know i'm not a big easter fan myself but the fact yeah. that he's already he's kind of i guess somewhat bought in that he sees the Texans are somewhat competitive and they're doing stuff the right way, you know. Yeah. Besides, besides the Deshaun Watson situation, you know, which is kind of tricky, it's kind of dicey. They're still paying him; he's still keeping a roster spot, but they're still doing right by the players. They're not, for the most part, which is a, somewhat of a plus. For sure, for sure. Um, I'll go back and look at it, David, and I'll uh, I'll give you an answer. Shoot me a DM and I'll, I'll, I'll answer you there. Um, what's up with Fuller? Um, that's, He's back. He, yeah, that's, you know, if that needs to come out, that'll come out. But it's not something that really needs to be talked about publicly. It's it's nothing. I mean, he just he needed some time and he, to handle some things and he did that. And um, so we'll see. That's. Uh, let's see, realistic expectations for Mills. Um, 220 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and 
takes two sacks. I'm going to write that down real quick so I can come back to it. Two, what did I say, 220? Yeah. 220. Two, two touchdowns, one interception, and, and two, two sacks. One INT, and it will not be a pick six. Okay. That would be so demoralizing. Two sacks. I'm going to write that down. Wait, we can revisit it next week. I would probably say, yeah, maybe like 225 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and maybe like 50% completion. I don't see him being too too efficient uh, for the most part this whole – throughout the preseason in the first game, he hasn't really been a, 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 a really efficient quarterback. I feel it's gonna be like a lot of tr- a lot of trials and errors like that that Brandon Cooks uh incompletion mm-hmm. that he had against Cleveland. That's that's the frustrating thing about him because he has the arm strength, but sometimes accuracy is not his thing. But he's not the he's not he's not a Ryan Mallet either. Like he's not just gonna like miss every single throw. <laughs> God, Ryan Mallet was terrible. Yeah. Ryan Mallet could miss his alarm clock if it was sitting right next to him. Um <laughs> let's see. Um what happens if Mills gets hurt? Then we get Jeff Driscoll, man. Um, Cully mentioned something about Mark Ingram and the Wildcat, too, which, uh, I mean, hell, if we get to the point and that's, that's it, then let's do it. Let's, let's go have some fun. I'd love to see uh, Mark Ingram out there trying to sling the ball around occasionally, too. Uh, and they showed that in the first game. That's how Philip Lindsay scored. So they had Ingram and, and Lindsay in the backfield. And also, I wouldn't be surprised – if Tim Kelly tries to be a little bit creative, I kind of I was kind of joking about it on Twitter, but if Jeff Driscoll, if he's putting certain plays, you know, like, you know, in the red zone, which sounds kind of cringy, but you know, he can probably run with it, or you know, like it's a run or pass situation, situation stuff like that. You know, he might be a little bit creative because I feel I do want Davis Mills to have some responsibility on his on some stuff on his plate, but at the same time, you don't want to overwhelm overwhelm him. You know, maybe switch it up a little bit, be a little bit creative, you know, make it like make the game plan kind of fun for the players, you know, confuse the defense because this is going to be a really good defense. So you never know. Just making a few trick plays might shift the, the momentum and maybe create some some good plays. Yeah. So what if Driscoll, Mills and Taylor get hurt? Then Cam Newton will be signed. Um, is there any chance they try and bring back Josh McCowan to back up after this week? Absolutely freaking not. Absolutely freaking not. We could, y'all seeing pictures of Jack Easterby out there slinging it. Let's get Jack out on the field. Sign him to a like a two week contract or something like that. So kind of like that soccer player from from that. <laughs> that you show. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, cool. We're gonna wrap it up right there, guys. Um, thanks again for tuning in. As always, uh, sorry James couldn't make it through the whole show. Um. But, you know, technology is sometimes out of our control. Um, if you guys please like the stream, it's a free way to support us. Um, it's, you know, it helps the channel grow tremendously. Um, you know, tell your friends and family about us, please. If they're into the Texans, if they like to dunk on the Texans, whatever it is, you know, every, uh, every listen is always a positive. Every view is always a positive for us. Uh, regardless of your affiliation. Um, give Jair a follow, J-R-L-T-U, on Twitter. 
Um, always interesting information that he, he's digging up, whether it be player connections, check past coaches and stuff like that. Um, John A. Wade, three. John is in Disney this week with his kids or his son, I'm sorry. And so there, he's out there having a blast. Um, James, I am young Ari Gold. Um, Jordan is Texans underscore thoughts. Jordan had uh, dinner with his parents tonight, and he also had two Panthers podcasts that he had to hop on. So um, that was pretty cool. Him, Jordan's out there doing big stuff. He's working for SI now. Um, still making time for us. But uh, And last but not least, uh, my name is Patrick Storm. Me follow at Patrick Storm to you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we will not be doing a show on Friday, and so uh, your next one will be coming out uh, on Tuesday. We'll see you guys later. Gotta go get these kids to bed. Bye bye. <laughs>